0: Good to Be with you all today. Um, I talked to Pastor Campbell, Dr. Campbell, Alex, whatever you call him, um, uh, Friday, and and uh, he's sad not to be here with you guys this morning, so um, it's good for me to be here with you, but he's sad not to be here with you guys this morning, and I heard that in his voice, not just in his words. Um, and uh, and so I'm, I'm it's privileged to be here with you guys, but I know he wants to be here, I know he's watching. Uh, right now and would love to be here. The, my other takeaway from my conversation with, uh, with him was, was he loves you guys. He loves this church. And so that's really blessed. You guys are really blessed uh, to have a pastor who's really excited about you all, really excited about the church, loves you guys, college students. He loves that you guys are here and so uh, that was exciting to hear uh, him talk and share that. Be in prayer for your pastor. I sent a text to a pastor friend of mine this morning. It's just a weird job at times. And then when you get COVID and you're excited about your first launch Sunday of the fall, uh, it can be discouraging. And, uh, but he's excited. Uh, he's excited for, for what's happening. But, but be in prayer for your pastors as well uh, and the work that they do. It's just a weird job at times. Um it's a, it's a daunting job at times to preach and to do those things. So, But I'm happy to be here with you guys uh, this morning. We're going to be looking at Psalm 2. Um, I am the new R- Erskine RUF guy. Um, I went to staff training. John wasn't there because he had his foot surgery, for those of you who know John. And, um, and so I was sad. I haven't been able to meet up with him. I want to meet up with him soon when our schedules calm down from the beginning of the semester. But as I was at RUF staff training... Uh, one guy walked up to me and said, Erskine, RUF, you're replacing Paul Patrick. Uh, he's been there 19 years. Are you going to do 19 years? And, um, you know, Paul's done 19 years. I think John's around the same. And I wanted to be like, shut up, man. I'm just, you know, like, I'm just trying to do one year and not mess it up, right? So it's, it's daunting to come into an area where there's two very seasoned RUF guys who have done faithful ministry. I was a part of Paul's ministry. Paul did our wedding. So it's an intimidating uh, culture to come into a little bit, and uh, we'll just take one year at a time, but it's good to be here with you guys this morning. As I've been thinking about, um, you know, it was a kind of a crazy week. If you watch the news, college students, sometimes you can be in your own world and miss some of those things, and it's very understandable. Uh, But it's been kind of a crazy week in our world with what's happening in Afghanistan and the things that are going on, and it's just been uh, kind of a daunting week On the if you go to... Any news site uh, that Afghanistan and the things that are taking place are there uh, kind of take the center stage. And I think as you see that, um, I, I jumped into, I'm reading through the Psalms from my own personal uh, study. And the Psalms are a great place to go and ask questions about what's going on. They're very real and they're real time for real people. And I think Psalm 2 this morning meets us in the world that we're in whether it be Afghanistan and the kind of the madness that's taking place there and the, and the sadness that's taking place there, whether it be the things that are in China. I watched a video this morning of a, a, a church under being arrested uh, in China, a house church, um, and they arrested 10 kids and took them to jail this morning for worshiping Jesus. And so you just, at times, you're left with the things that are going on. There's, there's been other things in the recent past. It was in May when I was with the Erskine UF group at Edisto when there was a, a gas pipeline shut down. And we're like, can we get off this island? And I was like, can I fly home to my family? This is crazy, right? Because Russia's hacking our pipelines. And, and it just feels like a crazy world. And I think Psalm 2 has just been in my mind of, it begins, why did the nations rage? And that's just been in my mind as, as we are living in this world of kind of craziness. you know. And if we're honest, too, as Americans, that we sometimes look at our own country and are like, what is going on? This is crazy. Why are the nations including our nation raging against God and against righteousness and goodness and and what's happening? And I don't like the sermon title, but I never like my sermon titles, but you're kind of left with like who's in, who's in charge? Is somebody in charge of this? This is such a mess. This is so crazy. This is so overwhelming. This is so terrifying in moments. Is there anyone in charge? Is there anyone calling the shots? Do we have any hope? Do we have any confidence? Or are we just out here for ourselves? And that's why I think uh, we come to Psalm 2 to hear from God's word about what God says about that. What, the, what Psalm 2 in the worship book of the people of God say about that. And so we'll be looking at that together this morning. If you want to follow along in Psalm 2, I'll read that text now. And uh, we'll be walking through that together this morning. Psalm 2. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the sun, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and with joy, with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Would you pray with me as we come to this text this morning? Father, Uh, This is your word to your people from long ago, uh, to a people that were surrounded by nations that hated them, and that asked the question, why are the nations raging? And you've given your people an answer to have hope in your son and your king. For this morning, would you use this text from thousands of years ago that spoke to your people in real time? in a real place, with real questions and real problems and real concerns. Would you use this ancient text to speak to your people this morning in Anderson, South Carolina, who have real questions and real concerns and real problems? Would you minister to us and show us who you are this morning through this word? Father, I'm I'm just a vessel, and I pray that you would use this, that you would speak by your spirit through your word that you would just use me as a vessel to do that. Anything that's not true, would you wipe it away from the face of the earth? But would you let that which is weighty and true and of you settle deep into our lives and in our hearts? I pray this, Jesus, in your name and for your kingdom's sake. Amen. So the psalmist starts with this question of why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Why are the kings taking up counsel for themselves? Why are the rulers taking counsel against, against God and against His anointed, saying, we're going to burst their bonds and cast away their cords, right? We're going to be in charge of ourselves. We don't need God. We don't need His king. We're going to rule for ourselves. And I think that's what you've been seeing. You're seeing in the world. I think it's always what you see in the world of uh, rulers. I think it's the continual question. But I think you're seeing it this week in Afghanistan of a group of people that are saying, we're going to rule, we're going to rule in the way we want to rule, we're going to rule in our own might, we're going to rule in our own way, and we're going to bring it uh, in Afghanistan. And and this week, sadly, uh, the United States, as it's been pulling out their military forces, it's it's just succumbing to that. And so you're watching that unfold on the news of, like, can we even protect the airport? Can we even get the people out? And then you see people holding on to a plane, as it's taking off and the madness of that. But you see, as this walking in military force and rulers, they're being interviewed on CNN with their faces covered. What they're saying is, is we're in charge now. We don't care about the United States, right? We're in charge now, and they're flaunting it all over the place. Um, If you know a veteran who's been in Afghanistan, I'd encourage you to reach out to them and and just ask them how they're feeling. My brother is a four-tour veteran over there. I'll share a story about him in a little bit, but... But I think it's so sad for our veterans who have been over there doing such work. Um, it's cha- so challenging. And, and now this, this group of people coming in saying, The United States is in control no more. The Taliban... Is in charge now, right? That's what Psalm 2 is showing us. This question of why is this happening? Why why do the nations do this? Why are the people doing this? Why are they fighting against God? Why are they fighting against righteousness? Why are they bursting their bonds apart? What does God have to say in the midst of that place? And this is where I really like Psalm 2, verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. I don't know what God's holy laugh at evil sounds like, okay? So I'm not, don't, don't take that from me or what happens, what you hear this morning is like, well, that's not how God laughs, right, at evil. But like, right, you have this picture of he who sits in the heavens is like, <laughs> right? See, already you're like, that's not how God laughs, right? <laughs> What's wrong with you, man, right? Like, he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What do you think you're doing, nations, Uh, If you go back, uh, go home to later today, read the story of Babel in Genesis 11, right? You have this story, kids, you know this story. The people start to build this tower, right? What do they say? We're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to make our name spread through the whole land. So we're going to build a tower. And then they start doing it, right? And, And there had to be people around going like, man, we're in trouble. These people are building a tower. This is big time. They're getting it together, right? And what does the Bible say? Then God came down and was like, What are y'all doing down here? Right? It's such a it's such a statement of derision of like this is a nice tower, right? This is cute, guys. Look, you got a little stable over here on the side. You built a little moat. You got Bob in the window looking out. That's real nice, right? I like this little tower, guys. That's what the text says. God came down to this super tall tower that they think is making a name for themselves. God comes down and is like, what are you doing down here? It's almost like a parent. I love when my kids build Legos. I cannot build Legos. I can do Lincoln Logs. I don't have the fine motor skills for Legos. I just break things and tear them apart. Um, but, but it's like when you know, a parent comes to their kid and is like, this is cute, right? And this is a positive thing. But like, that's cute. You did a real nice job. I like what you did here. My kids have magnet tiles, right? They'll build stuff. And they're like, this is a starship which will take over the world on magnets, right? And I'm like, that's nice. That's real cute, right? You did a nice starship there. That's God in babel and that's god in psalm 2 like this is nice guys patting him on the head and he laughs at them. this tower's ridiculous right that's the takeaway this tower's not large at all and in the story of babel what happens you know i think that god would just smack that tower right watch this as he laughs he doesn't even have to do that he doesn't even have to smack the tower what does he do he just confuses their languages and they all walk away well that was fun you know And you're left with like, well, that that de-escalated quickly, right? Like, wow, everybody's gone, and we have a quarter of a tower. I guess that didn't work, right? Who's in charge, Psalm 2 says. Why do the nations rage? And what does Psalm 2 say? God's up there laughing. The Story of Babel, go home and read it today. This is not a problem for me. This is not a problem for me. I don't have a power problem with the nations, is what Psalm 2 says, and what the Bible reminds us of. But we need to make sure we, that, we, that we don't land there. We don't stop there. And neither does Psalm 2. Look at verse 4 again down through 6. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. We don't just have a God who laughs at, what, at, the, at how mankind thinks they have power. We also have a God who will deal with the evil of this world and the evil that kingdoms are bringing. I'm pretty sure that the Taliban set a woman on fire this week because they wanted to. There is a wickedness and an unrighteousness and an evil that is hard to even name in the face of something like that, right? And we don't just have a God who laughs At the power that they think they have. But we have a God who's going to bring righteousness to bear in that place. He is going to punish that evil. He's going to bring his wrath to bear on such acts of evil. Because we know that if he's a good and just God, he has to. And Psalm 2 tells us, and he will. That the wickedness and the evil of this world as we see it unfold on the news or around us, or wherever it may be, that God is going to punish evil and wickedness. Take comfort in that, people of God. God's wrath is not just to punish unnecessarily or to scare you into being in relationship with Him. God's wrath is there because there is such a wickedness in this world that it must be dealt with, right? We have a three-year-old who likes to bite people. And she likes to bite her siblings. And um, she can give some solid bites when she gets pretty mad about things. She's not in here, so I'm going to talk about her. But I told everybody yesterday I was going to talk about her, and then they laughed about that. But she, we have a three-year-old who bites people. And, and I, what if I said to my kids, you know, when our three-year-old bites people, bites our kids, we're like, hey, you can't do that. We discipline, okay? We discipline her. We have a consequence. Sometimes my wife bites her. Okay, some of you guys are like, that's crazy college students. are like, y'all, this dude's nuts, right? And then you'll become a parent and you'll be like, I got to bite my kid, man. That's what I got to do. <laughs> um, it's okay. We have no idea what we're doing either. We're just trying to figure it out a the way. We'll repent of that later. Repentance is big in family. So, but, but we have to do something, right? She can't keep biting our other kids and she'll leave some bad bite marks. We can't, what if we just said to our kids, uh, yeah, Madison, but we forgive you. You know, we forgive you, and so you're not going to do that anymore. You know, our other kids would be like, what? Particularly her five-year-old sister would be like, what? Punish that girl, right? By the way, she's going to keep biting me unless you deter her from biting me in the future. We know that. That's a basic, common human instinct that we know and that we have. That evil and that wickedness and our sin has to be punished in some way, right? And that's what Psalm 2 is saying. You have a God who doesn't, just have a, who doesn't have a power problem, but who also will bring and punish that wickedness according to how it needs to be punished. Take comfort in that. We're going to talk more about wrath in a minute, that maybe some of you are a little scared of that. But take some comfort of the evils that you see around you. There is someone powerful enough to deal with them. And there's someone who is going to deal with them in his perfect justice and righteousness at some point. There is an accounting for the evil and the wickedness of this world. Take comfort in that people of God. Well, what is the hope then that we have? If we have that God, why is still he letting the Taliban rage or China... Or bad people in the United States, whoever they may be. Well, let's go back to the text. Let's start at verse 6 and work down a couple verses. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage. And the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. And dash them in pieces Like a potter's vessel. The hope of Psalm 2 is in God's king, who is God's son. All right, we're going to do a little uh, covenant theology training this morning. And bear with me for a minute. If you get lost, we're going to come back. Don't worry. Turn over to 2 Samuel 7. There's a covenant historical redemptive. I always want to use that phrase in in sermons just to make sure you know I know something. But there's a covenant, covenant redemptive historical thing happening here where God is saying, Psalm 2 is saying, we have hope in the king. Well, what king is that? What king do we have hope in? Well, really, it's about David, but it's about the Lord's anointed. And 2 Samuel 7 tells the story of Israel getting their first king, their good king. Saul was no good, right? Now you get your king, and God makes a covenant with that king. He makes a covenant with David. And we're going to look at 2 Samuel 7 just for a moment to look at... Listen for the same words in Psalm two that are in Second Samuel seven. Uh, let's start at verse Let's start verse four. Second Samuel seven verse four. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan and said, "Go and tell my servant David, "Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I've been moving about in a tent. For my dwelling, in all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak with a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts. I took you from the pasture, from, the follow, from following the sheep. You guys know this from Sunday school, right? Where David came from. That you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, have cut off all your enemies from before you. I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. That sounds good. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, that sounds good, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. I will give you uh, rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Forever kingdoms are better than non Forever kingdoms, right? I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. David is the king of Psalm 2 that they're talking about, right? Eternal kingdom, kingdom of rest, kingdom of uh, of dominance over the enemies of the people of God. And then David's offspring are to be those kings as well. That he will establish that kingdom forever through David's offspring. There is this hope in this kingdom. If you go read after this. Uh, later today David starts wrecking some enemies man he takes out the Philistines takes out the Amalekites takes out the Syrians and it's like okay well 2nd Samuel 7 is true David's taking people out he's establishing rest for his people he's establishing peace he's establishing dominance this is God's man all right it's happening right in front of our eyes and then you know what happens in 2nd Samuel 11 David murders a man so he can uh, hook up with Bathsheba and you're like uh uh-oh The king is not righteous. This is our king. We've got a king problem, is what the people of Israel are left with. And so we need, the people of Israel need a better king than David. And what is the story of the Old Testament as it goes through after David? I guess we'll do it like this. Right? You're left at the end of the Old Testament, kids. That was for you right there. That's the Old Testament right there. Just summed it up for you. You can sing that song for yourselves later too. At the end of the Old Testament, you're left with, that didn't work. That didn't work. What are we waiting on? And there's hope that begins to be given uh, to the people of God at the end of the Old Testament. So we need a better king. Well, I've got good news for you. Turn to Hebrews 1. Y'all know this stuff, but it's good to hear it. It's good to hear these things said out loud as we're together. We're not just in our home thinking we're crazy. Hebrews 1. We're going to read a few verses there. I told you, y'all, this, was the, this is the deep part. We're going to come back up in a minute for air. We're scuba diving down for a few minutes. So bear with me. Hebrews 1. Love the beginning of Hebrews. I can't figure out the actor that I would want to read this, but there needs to be like some actor's voice that starts, long ago, many times, and in many ways, God spoke to his people. Right? I, that's something in my head, okay? Long ago, at many times, and in many ways... God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. That's already a better king, right? He created everything. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's a powerful word to uphold the universe, Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, that's Jesus, with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. We have a better king than David and Jesus, is what Hebrews 1 is saying. He made the world. He upholds it with his power. He is righteous and he hates wickedness and he loves righteousness. But do you know why he is such a good king? Because he made purifications for sins for you. He died for his people on the cross of Calvary because he loves his people because he obeyed his father. And because he is your good king that you can trust. He laid down his life for you when you were still his enemy. And that is your good king. Go home today and read again the power of the cross. The lyrics there. I like a lot of the uh, the Gettys hymns and those kind of things. That's a great hymn. This, the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us. Took the, pl- took the blame bore the wrath and we stand forgiven at the cross because our good king, who's the creator of the world, who's the sustainer of the world, who is righteous, who's going to deal with wickedness has died for us. He is our good king and we can trust him and we can bow to him and we can worship him because he's the better king than David. He's the ultimate fulfillment of Psalm 2. You have a better king than David In Psalm 2. As the people of God. Reflect on that later today. Think about that this week. In Psalm 2. Go read Psalm 2. And read stories. Read the gospel of John. And see your good king. Read Hebrews 1. And see the power that he has. But the love that he has for his people. That he would die for them. Because he loves you so much. Let's start to wrap this up. As we, What does the psalm say now? If we have this king who's righteous, who hates wickedness, who laughs at the kingdoms of the earth, who's good and who dies for us. What do we do? How do we respond in this? Look at verse 10 down to the end. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry. And you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. I'm going to say a hard thing to you. I'm going to say a good thing to you. And we're going to end on the good thing. Uh, Some of us in the United States of America and in American evangelicalism, uh, we don't like stuff like this, right? Serve the Lord with fear. I don't want to fear God. Students, you probably struggle with this and you need to keep struggling through this. Serve the Lord with fear, rejoice with trembling. What kind of God wants me to rejoice with trembling? Kiss the sun. Talking so about the ring, right? But like I don't want to bow my knee and kiss the ring of the sun. Doesn't he know who I am? I'm a college student at Anderson. That's big time, right? All the Erskine students are like, whatever, Erskine's better, right? <laughs> kiss the sun, lest he be angry. I don't want an angry God. You perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. I don't want a God whose, whose wrath is quickly kindled. I thought you said this is a good king. Remember we were talking about punishing wickedness and evil? Jesus has to punish wickedness and evil. He's got to deal with it. You will be judged one day. You will be judged one day. There is an accounting for what you do here. There is an accounting for how you live your life. Christians, as Christians, you have hope that you claim the blood of Jesus. Listen this morning to the hymn, not what my hands have done, right? My only hope... Is that Jesus did it all for me. And that is completely true. And yet pastors who have affairs royally screw things up. And there is an accounting. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that's going to go. I'm not Jesus. I'm not the one who's going to do it. But you're going to sit down and have a conversation with Jesus what you did here. That is real and that's going to happen. I was talking with a friend this week about somebody who's fallen. And he shouldn't have fallen and he sinned and he messed it up. And all I could think about as I was walking through my room doing laundry is there is an accounting. I must be righteous in what I do. There is an accounting at the end of all things. Serve the Lord with fear. That should scare you a little. It should. He is righteous. Rejoice with trembling. Right? There's joy there, but whew, the holiness of God will blow us away. Kiss the son, you have to worship him and give him your allegiance and your life, lest he be angry. And you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled because he hates wickedness. God sits in the heavens seeing a woman lit on fire and is about to bring wrath. And he has to bring wrath, right? It's still all about Jesus, guys. It is still all about Jesus atoning for us. Those are the people of God, we must be being sanctified, right? Are you of people? We are justified and we must be being sanctified. That has to happen. We don't just get, hey, I got Jesus, so I get to do whatever I want. It's not Christianity, it's not biblical, and we don't believe that. I know that's hard to hear. I know there's moments, especially as a young person, I didn't want to hear that. But God is holy and Jesus is holy. and We are not. But how does the psalm end? Lest you think I'm a works righteousness person. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. All of what I said is true and real. Blessed are all those who take refuge in that king who will punish wickedness. That is a sweet spot to be. Go home and read Psalm 46 today, right? Though the mountains quake, though the earth trembles, though everything's falling away, I have sweet refuge in my God who will walk over me and will have the streams of Zion was where I will walk, right? Martin Luther wrote that when people were trying to kill him. Martin Luther wrote, A Mighty Fortress is Our God based off that hymn. And all of that is true. I'll close with this based off Blessed are all who take refuge in him. My brother's a United States Marine. Uh, he's a tanker. He's been in since 2003, since I went into Erskine College. Um, my brother's a bad man. And I don't mean he's like a bad man like the Talbot. I mean, he's a bad man. Uh, he's a united states marine drove tanks did four tours um, and as americans one of the things i would love to do is get captured by the enemy just for fun right whoever they may be and i would love for the president of the united states to make the call to send in the marines to get me right that would be a sweet moment right i would take refuge in the united states marine corps coming down and i'd look at my captors and be like the marines the united states marines are coming y'all best watch out right And I would have refuge in that as an American citizen. And my brother's driving a tank with all his tanks behind him. Here's a story from what happened over there, which is why I would take refuge. My brother was fighting the Taliban, and they've done bad things this week. So we can talk about this. My brother's fighting the Taliban, and they've taken AK-47 fire. And they're like, hey, Cook, because that's his name. And they're like, we got to blow that house up. And he's like, I ain't got to blow that house up. He put his tank in reverse and ran the house over with the tank, right? (laughs) Right? Heck, yeah. Go Marines, baby. Woo. Right? I would take refuge in those people. Brother, bring in your tanks. Rescue me and save me from my enemies. As an American citizen, I have blessed are all American citizens. The United States Marine Corps comes to save. We have a higher citizenship. We have a citizenship in heaven with Jesus because of what he's done for all of us. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. As you would take refuge... In the comfort that the United States Marines are coming to get you, take even greater and far more refuge in your Jesus when wickedness and evil people come for you. Because it it could be a day, I don't think I'm going to see it, but maybe my kids will, where it's not just in China, where they knock on churches and arrest people and arrest kids because they're worshiping Jesus. There can come that day here because America is not the new heavens and the new earth take refuge in the king that loves you so much he died for you and reflect on the power of the cross and the story of the gospel of Jesus that he would go. Go read the passion narrative later today and see your Jesus dying for you because he loves you and take refuge in that Jesus who laid down his life for you to save you and who is, who is the king of heaven and earth right now who will deal with wickedness but He is the King of heaven and earth, and when He comes, He will come to redeem you and save you once and for all, because He is our good and righteous and powerful and awesome and loving King. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Would you pray with me? Jesus, uh, this psalm is about You. You are the ultimate King. You are our ultimate King. And I pray today through this, through the reflection on this, through the reflection on these songs and these hymns and and the reflection that maybe we can do later today and later this week as we look at Scripture as individuals in our dorm rooms or as families together around our living room table, that we would see how good of a king you are, that we would have trust in you and we would take refuge. I pray everyone in this room would this week grow in how they take refuge and think about having refuge in you. Because you're our good and loving and powerful King. Jesus, we have seen wicked things on the TV screen this week. We pray that when you... We ask how long, O Lord, how long will you wait to deal with this and punish this? But we, we pray that you will one day deal with this wickedness. And we have great comfort that you will because you hate wickedness. Because you love righteousness and because you love your people. I pray the death of people in Afghanistan right now who are Christians and are being hunted. We know those deaths are not meaningless, that the blood of the martyrs is the seat of the church. And yet we pray for those people that you would give them great comfort and hope in this time. That you are the king on the throne and you will bring justice one day. Jesus, will you instill in us a great hope, not in ourselves or our own righteousness or anything we can do. And we're bound to screw it up. And even if we screw it up royally, that you still love us and have died for us, that our salvation is not based on our works at all. And yet, would you help us to live sanctified lives, lives that look more like you, lives that worship you, lives that reflect you around us, that we might be more righteous people showing the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness of God to those around us as we imperfectly live out this life uh, in the here and now. Jesus, you are our good king. You are a powerful king. You are the true son. You are the true anointed one. Give your people this morning great comfort through Psalm 2 and through other things. That you love them and that you're in control. And that you will deal with all these things one day in your own time. I pray this, Jesus, in your name and for your kingdom's sake.